there is quite a lot of glamour around it, glamorization, uh, the sexiness, kind of it's the thing to see, be seen to be doing. I can um, actually hear the disdain in your voice as you're saying that. <laughs> like, oh, it's it, it, to be sexy. Yeah, it pisses me off. Don't think this is a bloody MD on the business card, yeah. walk in the park, unicorns and rainbows and shit. He has always said, though, from a young age, that um, I've probably got bigger balls than most men. I don't really think that'll be going on a social media Tinder profile or anything, will it? <laughs> yeah. New Tinder profiles are a chat for another day, H, another day. You can't go into business if you are risk averse. Like, if you go into business, you need to be prepared to fucking lose it all. Tell me what's more risky, running a business that you have an element of control in or being employed? where the reality is none of us have the control that we might think that we do. Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast with myself, Helen Williams, and Lauren Brady is joining me for this episode. Um, this is episode 081, flipping heck, these are racking up. We are nearing the 100th. I wonder who's going to be the guest for the 100th show. Lauren, we need to plan that. Suggestions are welcome. If you think you are a century, then let us know. Absolutely. But yeah, for this episode today, we are talking about what makes you decide to go into business. We've been doing a lot of um, consultation calls with new businesses and people looking at exploring, you know, being self-employed, setting up themselves in business, becoming an entrepreneur, dipping their foot in the water, you know, toying with the idea, is it right for them? So literally just wanted to chat about, you know, what makes people decide to go into business. So, as you were doing your introduction, hello, good evening, good morning, whatever time of day it is uh, you're listening to us have this chat. Um, I remember hearing a statistic um, during the lockdown uh, about uh, it was it was someone was talking on a radio show or a podcast, something like that, about the amount of people who are currently self-employed as opposed to. I know who it was. It was Gary Das. He was talking about self-employed mortgages. So for anyone who's never heard of Gary Das, he is an absolute uh, powerhouse leader in financial services uh, and the mortgage world. And the amount of people who are now self-employed as opposed to 10 and 20 years ago is massive. And I reckon, I think it's become more sexy. It's become more like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm, you know, I run my own business. And I think people, they lend themselves towards it more than they did, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. What do you think? There is quite a lot of glamour around it, glamorization, uh, the sexiness, kind of, it's the thing to be seen to be doing. I can Um, actually hear the disdain in your voice as you're saying that. (laughs) Like, it's it's, easy to be sexy. Yeah, it pisses me off. And it's not... (laughs) This is not a rant, obviously, but um... two minutes in and Helen's off. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's just off already. She can't even hold back. No, no, no. You what, off you go. <laughs> it's nice. It's, it's, you know how much I love social media. Yeah. Right? I do think that social media has a lot to blame when it comes to For a lot like, of shit. 
yeah well glamorizing business and entrepreneurship yeah and you know I do believe that anybody can go into business mm-hmm. um but not everybody can survive and not everybody can make a success of it yeah yeah you, as people know, I'm a property investor as well. Yeah. Um, a couple of property businesses. And I always say, anybody can buy a house, anybody can buy a property. But can you actually make it cash flow? Can you actually make yeah, it Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, do you know what? It's really funny, actually. They're, they're, that, they go very close together in my mind anyway. When people say, I want to be a business owner. I want to run my own company I want to be in control of my own life and then they're like oh I want to be a property investor and that you hear people say that and I know you because I you know obviously I know your thoughts on this you eye roll and be like ah oh, for fuck's sake lads come on just because you've seen homes under the hammer and because you've heard a podcast or two about property um or you've seen you know one of those posts where it's like I you know I flipped a property and made 50 grand in six weeks and you eye roll that's the way for me I suppose when I look at it and people say I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to be a business owner my reaction is is similar to what you just said I'm into it I'm excited for them but then I'm also like so tell me why tell me why you want to be a business owner tell me why you want to you know build an empire or build something and that you're in the full control of or the leader of the of the pack and you know the captain of the ship because I suppose this might be a bit of an odd one to start with the negative the reasons why you shouldn't become an entrepreneur or you shouldn't run your own business. For me, when we were planning out this conversation, I'm like, oh, let me tell you why you should not go into business. So the first one for me is when people, they don't like being employed. So I've had people before um, in my life um, who I've uh, known very well and they've said, you know, I I could never be employed. That's why I've got to be self-employed. I've got to run my own ship. I've got to do my own thing. And that for me is in a massive alarm bell because when people say they can't be employed or they can't take leadership or authority, you know, they can't, basically they can't be told what to do. I'm like, okay, that's a red flag. If that's your reason for being self-employed. And here's the reason why for me it's a problem. It's because when you work for yourself, it's actually a flip for me. You work for your customers. You work for your clients. You work for the people whose problems you solve or who you serve uh, in whatever business that you is, it, it, whatever business that you're in. Also, if you want to build a big business, then you're often going to get investment, which means that you're going to have investors. You're going to have people who are stakeholders. You're going to have people who are of influence within that business and people who you're accountable to, people who you're responsible for, you know, pay, maybe for paying their bills every month. So if someone says to me they want to run a business because they don't like, like authority or they don't like accountability, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold off there. Stop straight away because running a business you are actually more accountable you're more responsible you've got more people who you need to report back to maybe not on an upline but you've got people who are you know who who you have to give a shit about so that's my first one is there any ones for you is there any red flags for you when people say I want to go into business and you're like oh not for that reason well I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to expand on that what you just said because um for me I I've never really been one to follow rules. Yeah, um, I've, I've, I've not. I'm not a massive rule follower. No, but am I a rule follower? Maybe I am. You are because you are. You do follow the process. You are. You yeah. can take authority. This is where I'm saying. You know, it's not a case of. That's a fine line over what you've just described there. Because yeah, you're mm. right. 
do have to be accountable and you do have to then follow those guidelines and procedures and the authority and you have to know who you're accountable for and why but if it is just for that pure reason of oh do you know what I'm just going to be able to do what I want when I want how I want then you know that's not technically true and I think that's you know that's what you're getting at isn't it about the accountability to your customers and you know why you're doing it I mean I there's got to be an element of business ownership and particularly very successful entrepreneurs that they are not rule followers. You know, they're not crowd followers. Um, they're not okay, the- that's the difference. That's the difference there, Helen. It's a rule versus a crowd. So I yeah, love. I said they're not. A, they're not. They're not a rule. It's not that they're not a rule follower, but they're not a crowd follower, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Because I I never like taking instruction. I was. I were a bit of a rebellious little shit at school, um, yeah. to be fair. And I, I did rebel a, a few mm. times well, in work as well. Actually, I did. Um, and I've been known, and I've been known actually to to, <laughs> to tell somebody to f off, which was it regularly then does come up over the dinner yeah. table in situations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad still tells everybody that story now. It's Go like, on, tell us. Tell us. It was one of my dad's business partners. Um, that I openly said, told him to do one. Do one. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, very politely. Yeah, that's so nice. But okay, so here's the thing. Like we just mentioned there, you know, I like a process because I like a plan. What I don't like is throwing so much shit at the wall that, you know, nobody knows what's sticking uh, mm. and, what, and what the goal is of the agenda is. Uh, but it's really funny you've said that about your family. There's a story that gets told by my dad and our family a lot. Uh, we danced um, to a pretty high level. My sister was, you know, an amazing world champion title winning dancer. So we had a really good um, teacher. We had a really good school academy that we were part of. And uh, I never really gelled with the teacher, the the male part of the partnership of the teacher as much as my sister did. Um, I think he was very frustrated by me because, like, funny enough, I was just like, Meh. I'm, I'm not doing it just because she does it. Like, don't think you've got a little protege because, you know, you're the, you're the younger sister coming along. Uh, but my attitude was pretty shit, if I'm honest. But I um, I remember this one time, I was like 15, 16. So I was coming to that point where I'm like, I'm at the end of my dancing days here. You know, I wanted to, you know, work. I wanted to go out. I didn't want to spend Saturday and Sunday in a dance studio. And he wants, he had a line of us up. And we were like, in that formative age, you know, about to go into adulthood. And he asked us to perform a certain level in this uh, dance routine. And we made a mistake, like we fucked up, like genuinely hands up, we got it wrong, we missed our cue. And in his frustration, he said, oh my God, what are you, stupid? Wow. And 15, six, I think I was 15. I don't think I was 16 yet. And I said, pardon? And he went off on this rant calling us, calling me stupid. And I said, no, mate, not, no. You're not calling me stupid. I made a mistake. Like, that was cool. Like, it wasn't fucking disastrous. It wasn't in competition. It wasn't in a group performance. I just, I missed a cue. And you're right. I wasn't paying attention. I was probably talking to my mate. I was probably talking to Siobhan next to me in the stand-up line. You know what I mean? And, um, but that was the last time I ever went to his class. And Mm. I took my dancing shoes off. And I came home and I said to my dad, I'm not being called stupid by someone, especially, and here was the other thing, it's because I didn't have a huge amount of respect for him as, as, as an authority figure and as a teacher. He used to smoke in class. I'm going off on a really random tangent here, so I'll bring it back. But my point was, I couldn't take authority or 
the way I was being spoken to because I didn't have a huge amount of respect for the way I was being spoken to and by the actions of that person as a leader and as a teacher and as a coach. Um, but my dad tells a story all the time. He said, Lauren never went back to dancing because that person called her stupid. And I said, nah. And it's really funny now, like I've got nephews and nieces who I'm, you know, madly in love with and so passionate about. The one thing that I can never take is someone calling a child or anyone in an influence. So if you're a leader or a coach calling a person, stupid or you know calling them a name as opposed to you made a bad decision or you know you made a mistake that's yeah. you you made a mistake it's not you as a character flaw and um, so that was one that comes back for me is that I then started you know on my next avenue with my studies and a levels and going to university and it wasn't that I didn't want to take leadership or authority from someone I still am, and I was employed for a number of years as you know I can't take direction or leadership from someone when I don't believe in them as a person or when I don't believe that the mission that we're on doesn't have substance to it so I think that might be something that some people can recognize if you're an entrepreneur um, I'm happy to be a team player like I'm you know I'm you know me Helen I'm a collaborator by nature uh, yeah. I'm not someone who likes to be at the front of a ship completely on my own um, I'm a gatherer of people I like a squad I like to be part of the decision making but um, I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs have in common is we can't take direction or authority from people basically when we can smell a huge amount of bullshit yeah and that, and, and that's that, that's absolutely right and and you shouldn't you know because then it, it, it's under it's under false consensus isn't it yeah and, you know that's when that's when you've got people that are kind of sleepily going through life and following yeah. crap and like really unconscious to themselves really yeah. you know standing up for their own beliefs i'm not even yeah. aware of what their own beliefs are um, and yeah. so yeah I, I think there's kind of a a little bit of a mixed bag there of um being able to follow rules and not and yeah. what the benefits are but i you mentioned there before we went into that of understanding why you want to do it yeah so there's a couple of ways that you can look at what is the why okay so why is in kind of the why is in your current situation. So what is your current situation that's making it so goddamn um, either frustrating, uncomfortable, yeah, yeah. Or, or is it the fact that, you know, you've got fire burning in your belly that you need to implement and apply to? Yeah, it's that pleasure-pain thing again, isn't it? It's that carrot and stick that we talk about all the time, yeah, which yeah. is... Are you so uncomfortable in a situation that it's forcing you to change? You know, that's the stick. That's the beat, you know, the crack up the bum kind of thing. If you're a donkey, by the way, not going down any weird human terms here. Um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh God! Show you know, you do what you like, really. Yeah, yeah. No, God, no, no judgment here. I'm just thinking about a tangent I'm going across on this one. Um, but oh, it's God, the... please stop, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> is there it's the pain that causes change or is it the fire is it the goal so the way I've always looked at this is that is it because is your why because you really want to solve a problem and that's the thing you've got to remember every business every product every service that we transact with it's that to either solve a problem or to serve people so mm -hmm. for example Amazon obviously you know is Amazon the biggest turning over business at the moment I don't know if that's a, a thing but we know Amazon right so the problem that they wanted to solve is that they wanted one place 
that you could go to from A to Z to get everything that you wanted. Um, so that solves that problem. If you look at, um, you know, Apple and, you know, their mission and their vision, they wanted, you know, computers to be accessible. They wanted um, PCs at the time, you know, laptops to be available in every home and in every business, not just for the elite. So they had yeah. a pro they had a service that they wanted to provide. They had a problem that they wanted to solve. So I think is your why on that Per, that that level in terms of what you're creating in your product your service your vision versus the other side of the why is yeah but why are you doing it as an individual why do you want to be the person that offers that solution that solves that problem so that's when I mean whenever we're dealing with entrepreneurs we go your why is absolutely massive because people think of entrepreneurship as this thing where they're like you know so I'm gonna have laptop lifestyle I'm gonna work from the beach I'm gonna dictate my own schedule versus the reality that we all know is you know me and you are recording this podcast right now it's quarter to seven of an evening uh, we had our first meeting this morning at half seven uh, we've both got loads of stuff going on in our lives um, business personal and we're banging of recording this podcast because we love what we do and we want to help other people, you know, get clarity and solve problems within their business. But the why for, for me as an individual, if my why is Lauren or your why is Helen wasn't genuine and wasn't massive, we'd be like, I'll oh, sack off that podcast. You know, we'll miss a week. You know, we're 81 weeks in and I don't think you've missed a week. You did, you know, a good 55, 60 of them, you know, solo. I don't think you missed a week for over a year, Helen. So your why had to be huge. And I think that's where there's two prongs of the why, in my opinion. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? Is. There definitely is. It's kind of why are you doing it? Why is it so important to you? What's driving you forward? Like, what is your mission? What is your purpose? What is the substance behind it for you personally, right. internally? That's the emotional anchor and the emotional attachment that we speak about. Mm -hmm. But then the why of the other side of it, like you mentioned about the product and, you know, the service and what you're offering. But the why on the other side of it for me is the motivating factors, i.e. the triggers over, like, what is your current situation right now that's actually then... Um, guiding you down this path because re the reason why I say that is because some people and particularly like what we started it off with about it's the sexy thing to do and it, you know social media is encouraging even more entrepreneurs to start launching and start getting involved and you know making their own making their own future making yeah. their own riches and taking that control and making it seem more accessible and more real and more doable but the fact is is not it's not right for everyone no, no it's and not it's, the solution for everyone i totally and, agree helen so it's, it's a, we have to look at your current situation now if you're frustrated if you're pissed off if you're you're not where you want to be you're not happy you're not earning enough money you're in a bit of a financial turmoil the answer doesn't necessarily lie within then starting up your own business venture yeah. the answer doesn't necessarily be presented by you being the next like influencer on Instagram, for example, the answer oh, yeah. lies in you. You know that is what I mean. As in terms of why, what's giving you that drive? If it's not, if it's not in that passion, it's not in that purpose. It's not in that. You know, what are you about to then serve to people? What does it mean to you? If it's just the fact of that you're looking at it because you know you think that you can make a quick book, you think that it's going to be um, something that can just solve your problem, make you happy, make you fulfilled overnight. Mm. Then that's kind of for me the total wrong way to look at it. So something just pinged into my head there while you were chatting. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 me. <laughs> um, so 
you were saying there about when someone's in pain. So say, for example, you were in a, a really established role, you know, you'd climbed corporate ladder, you know, to a, a huge level, you know, you said yourself, if you were still in that environment in that role you were like your goal was to be you know sat at a director level on a board um and listen knowing you whatever you put your mind to I you know I've no doubt you would have done it but there's sometimes there's people who are in an employed role and I'm I say this a lot and I I don't mind if I oversay it for me people think employed versus entrepreneur entrepreneur you know gives you some kind of kudos or rank and if you're an employee you know you're some kind of sheep or you're just you know that's all I can do I don't have the guts or the bravery there's people who are running their own business so fucking badly that you know they would be paid more if they had a minimum wage job in a supermarket and I don't say that to make anyone feel good or bad or labels or anything in between but don't just think because the word on your business card is MD or because you can put founder an entrepreneur on your social media pin and then that makes you a success success is very different to everyone but for me the titles never mean anything you know the one that stands out to me I remember years ago about five six years ago I was given the book by Sheryl Sandberg lean in have you read that I've not no you've mentioned it a couple of times yeah you mentioned that to me um recently I don't know who that was on a on a a conversation recent that might have been a client call actually um and with somebody who's in a high position um in a yeah. corporate position sure so Sh- Cheryl Sandberg if anyone doesn't know it she's the CEO of Facebook she's Mark Zuckerberg's right-hand person uh, and she's also a female and she's kick-ass she wrote a second book called Option B which was um Cheryl Sandberg um her husband died very unexpectedly um a few years ago um and she wrote a book about um how her and her children um, came through the grief. And she wrote it in conjunction with a therapist. So it's a very practical, but also a lot of amazing quality of information there from a from a, a, a recognized source with a therapist. But I divert. Cheryl Sandberg is a huge influence in the world of technology in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. But Cheryl Sandberg's an employee. Now, obviously, she has huge share options. She has a huge investment in the company. But on paper, she is an employee. And there's people who will look at it and go, yes, but I must run my own business. And I'm like, no, no, no. You must make a success and be clear of what it is you want to achieve. And if you are employed by a company and you recognize the game that you're playing, you recognize the field that you're into. So I get a bit animated. If anyone's watching this on YouTube or the video, I'm like proper into this bit because I was a self-employed person. I set up my own business. I was an entrepreneur. And then I closed those businesses of my own choice with money in the bank and with assets. And then I became an employee. But I was, I joke about it often that I was the worst invert commerce employee in the world because I thought like an entrepreneur, which is actually what made me a good employee. So I'm not putting myself on par with Cheryl Sandberg here, don't get me wrong. But it's the idea that I worked for a, an entrepreneur, I worked for a business owner, I worked for a board of directors who wanted me to treat what I was doing as if it was my own. But I was an employee and there was people in the industry that I was in genuinely and some of them might listen to this at some point who looked down on the staff and I'm like hold on a minute I'm fucking working harder than you are but because your title is MD or CEO and you're listed on company's house you're looking at me with some kind of you know disdain I'm like that's where the title thing for me you've got to get over the title Mm -hmm. here's what I wanted to say about employees sometimes you want to start your own business because you're not happy where you are and there's a very fine line and there's a danger of quitting your job to set up a business because the relief you get from quitting is a huge high 
So by throwing in the towel, by handing in your laser aggressination, picking up your P45, whatever you know it may be in the country that you're in, there's a big release. So I don't know how you felt, Helen, when you took the leap to resign from your job. There's this little glow and there's this little bit of excitement and there's this dopamine rush that you get from quitting. And people sometimes get addicted to quitting in other areas of their life, quitting their gym routine, quitting their healthy eating, quitting on their relationships, quitting on their business, because quitting is fucking easy and gives you an instant reward because the pain is gone. Quitting is like getting a high. It's like taking a drug. It's like, you know, nailing a Jaeger bomb. The high is pretty quick. But then what comes after quitting? That's the reality Then you have to deal with if you really want to be an entrepreneur and build your business. See, I, um, I can remember the thrill of the quitting. <laughs> the thrill of the quit yeah I do I, I did I felt amazing I felt really empowered by it I was excited for the new chapter I've been talking about um you know doing my own business plan and execution for a, a while um so I was really really excited about it but I'm not a quitter I don't quit like so and, I'm not and, addicted to quitting yeah but sometimes that's, has, well, I'm saying this, has that ever been a negative when you've needed to walk away from something sooner than you did? I'm, I'm not afraid to walk away from things either. I don't see, yeah. it, as, I don't see it as, I don't see it as quitting because what, don't forget, um, you know, I always say that walking away is still a solution. Yes, when it's the right time and it's the right it's solution. Everything. That's yes. It's still a solution. You need to know what you're walking away yeah. from and why. Yeah. That's not quitting. That's not going, oh, do you know what? I can't be asked to do this anymore. Yeah. Or, it has to be, a, you know, a, a really rounded, considered decision. Yeah. What I do want to say there on um, what you've just been saying about, um, like, the corporate element of things, I've coached people back into a job. Yeah, you know, I remember you telling me this. They've been in business yeah. and had their own business and brand, Um grew grew their you know grew the revenue and the profit margins through working with me but I actually coached them back into their job because it wasn't right for them they couldn't be asked to do what it actually took you know it, it took all of their effort all of their energy all of their belief like everything and they weren't willing to keep going the extra mile and they yeah. weren't willing to do all of the hours that was needed, all of the times where you need to show up on social media where you don't necessarily mm -hmm. need to do, um, you know, all of the extra things and particularly the things behind closed doors that people don't see, the less than glamorous stuff, yeah. the hard shit, you know, the discipline that's needed, they weren't prepared to do that. You know, they yeah. saw the growth that was possible and that was with some slight tweaks and me keeping them on track and actually then making sure that you know they followed the plan and that we had things strategically laid out but when it came down to the crunch they didn't necessarily want to do it so yeah. they, it wasn't right for them so I coached them back into a job where they got a job they were making even more money, more money. Some, some people and then the, because they were making more money from it, they didn't have the stresses and the pressures of, you know, delivering and, and, and being there and having that responsibility of, you know, essentially bringing, bringing home, home the bacon. You know, they didn't, it removed all that, it eliminated mm -hmm. it. It made them more effective in the job that they were doing. Yeah. And, you know, that was then, actually, that was then their, um, their objectives ticked. Their objectives didn't lie in the fact that they, they wanted to be a business owner. They just thought that it was the solution for them, and it wasn't.
So a couple of things that have come up as we're talking here. Here's the thing, right? Can I ask you, Helen, what made you want to be a business owner? Like, where did it start from your side? Who have been your influences, your inspiration? My dad, for sure. Um, he is my biggest influence um, from a young age. When I say influence, by the way, this is how I've seen it and how I've been brought up, being surrounded by his entrepreneurial spirit and his succession and, and what have you. Coming from nothing and then plugging away at, you know, you know making things happen and bringing things into uh, a success. He hasn't influenced my decision. He was actually against it. He wanted yeah. me to. Um, he wanted me to go to university. I was the first out of the family to go to mm. uni, and he was a great pleasure in um, being able to offer me that opportunity because he could afford it. Then you know it wasn't something that it would have even been in question. Even two or three years prior, for my brother, for example, he wanted to make sure that that I had. And I, I, I was into my studies a little bit. Changed a little bit as well when, when I got when I knew that I could get served at the pub, you know that. I think I think it's probably undeniable that you had the intellect, and that was the thing that your dad and your mom always saw is that you're like she's got the brains, you know. It's it's whether we can give her the environment, you know, like heading off to university and doing that. So yeah, yeah. it's amazing though that you've he, got that. He did definitely want me to go down that path, and he always is wanting me to go for a good career. And the reason why I said, um, you know, he wasn't necessarily a fan of me then jacking in the career, which he was very, very proud of, of that I were achieving and, you know, keep getting promoted and promoted, like, in my career down in London. Um, he then didn't want me to go into business because I think – well, I've discussed it with him. I don't think now, but at, at first I was like, what the fuck? Like, what a hypocrite. Like, yeah. you know, that's what you've done all your life. And then it's not, it's yeah. like, I can't do it. And then yeah. it's like, what, don't you think I'm capable because I'm a woman? Like, you know, it was like, we had all of these kind of arguments and disagreements. Let me get and, you out of soapbox there, Helen. Do you want to stand on another one? Or? Well, <laughs> it, it, it would just, it would just be a father figure in terms of, of course, he knew how yeah. hard it was. Yeah. He knew how hard it was and he just said to me, he just said, Helen, why would you want to do that? He said, Honestly, it is freaking hard work. And it's he was gonna... managing your expectations though. He was like, what we started this conversation on, he's like, Don't think this is a bloody MD on the business card, yeah. walk in the park, unicorns and rainbows and shit. And I never did. I never did. I never had that impression. Yeah. Like, I it, probably because of the fact that I, I never consulted him. I just did it. <laughs> but then I'm a grown woman, you know. I don't need to. Yeah. I don't need to get every decision passed through the parents or anything. But yeah, he was definitely my influence. Definitely my inspiration. Um, and you know, I have been looking, fortunately, a, a, a lot through my dad and through networks and what have you. My uncle as well uh, run his own business. Was self employed. Lee's not with us anymore, but I have been lucky and fortunate enough to be around people that have made something out of nothing. Yeah. And I just think with that work ethic, that drive, that commitment, you know, that's why I believe that everything's learned behavior. You don't necessarily need that intellect. You don't necessarily. I just laugh, laughing because we're recording on the, we're recording on, on video here. We've got Lauren's husband walking past. <laughs> she finds it. She finds it hilarious when all the families walking past with different things, dropping coffees off, walking with the laundry and different. Yeah. It's oh. the realities. The of, reality of running a business and it being seven pm at home. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you were talking about your family there, Helen. I mean, yeah. I think that's where a lot of people. Of course, everybody can say, you know, I was influenced by people in my 
family or my circle. I love hearing you talk about your dad because I know how much, um, obviously you love him, but how much you look up to him and how, I also know how how proud your dad is of you. You are, a, you know, you're a carbon copy of him. And, you know, your dad's had huge success in business, not just in a, a financial way, but he has, you know, I, I'm, I can say this because you won't say it yourself. You know, he's been very financially rewarded from the business um, avenues he's gone down, but he's also really happy and proud of the fact that he's raised a woman like you and that you have got, you know, bravery and balls of steel and the work ethic that would rival, you know, 10 grown men. So I know you won't say that yourself, so I will say it for you. He's massively oh, you. proud of you. Last, last week was the emotional one. You don't get me started on that one. He has, he has always said, though, from a young age, that um, I've probably got bigger balls than most men. Um, I don't really think that will be going on a social media Tinder profile or anything, will it? <laughs> Yeah, new Tinder profiles are a chat for another day, H, another day. Um, it's one, though, that I, as you were talking there, it's, um, P.S., I'm going to try and make you cry on every podcast episode we do together now. It's my, it's my new little goal that I'm going to try and make a, see who I can make cry in positive fashion, obviously, not for being a mean, mean girl. We've, we've got so many weird similarities that we didn't know about until, you know, quite we were quite well into working with each other. Uh, as you know, my dad was also an entrepreneur, is an entrepreneur, I'm saying that like past tense, it does run a business. Uh, my other business, I run alongside my father, which is a podcast for another day, how <laughs> to work in business partnership with Brefner, who's a, he's a legend in his own right. And, uh, you know, he's again. Even now, we think time is right, is, is second right and woman. <laughs> I know, I know. We should probably do a podcast with Brefner one day just for pure crack and, yeah. uh, an amusement but I'm from a massive Irish family so law of averages states there's going to be quite a lot of uh, different people doing different career paths and as, as I was thinking about it prepping for this there's a huge amount of entrepreneurial spirit that runs through both my mum's side and my dad's side because we come from um, rural areas we're farmers so you know we were entrepreneurs before you know it became bloody cool or in any way profitable I'm sure it was just the way that you survived and the, and what you did um but my mum's got five brothers um and I think all of them at some point have opened and run big businesses um again I don't want to run down a stereotype um but they're from a certain part of Ireland that are renowned for construction most of the men from the region of Ireland where my mum's from were involved in planning and building the channel tunnel it was like one of the things that they were famed for yeah it was it did songs about it like Irish songs and stuff about uh, the tunnel tigers and my uncles were all part of that and ran big construction companies and some of them still do my dad's side of the family again lots of people who run businesses and who have been self-employed so for me I was around it a lot I my 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 start into entrepreneurial life is properly by accident and um, what I what I realize now you know what it's people say putting the dots backwards hindsight is a great thing I've just always been drawn to the idea of I want input I want Control is possibly too strong a word, but you know, again, because I come from this big family, there was always lots of conversation and there was always lots of people. There was always lots of people talking, but there was also lots of people listening. So yeah. I learned from a very young age. I also come from a very strong line of females, in particular on my father's side. My aunties on the O'Brien side of my heritage, I mean, I referenced it in my speech at my wedding, not to take away from my mum's side because they're also brilliant, awesome women, but my dad's sisters lots of them have run businesses very big successful businesses or have been ceos or leaders of, of companies in an employed role so i've always seen and had a modeled example in front of me of women just going for it and not standing back and not waiting for 
acceptance or what's the other word I'm looking for approval you know we kind of you know we kind of get famed for it it's just that you know we'll charge into things and I think that's a big thing for anyone who's thinking right now am I ready to be into business you don't have to be one way or another this is something that I'm I'm very keen to make sure we discuss on our channels is people think being an entrepreneur means you have to be natural at lots of things. You have to be a natural speaker. You have to be natural at sales. You have to be natural at leading people. Yet you can see some of the best business leaders, male, female, doesn't matter, are actually very much an introvert personality. You know, one of the books that I enjoyed reading the most in the last few months was the Nike book, Shoe Dog. Yeah, brilliant book. And, you know, the founders of Nike, you couldn't meet more introverted, and they say it themselves, classic running geeks. And they built this most amazing business of, you know, as we know today. So it's when people look at, do you know, can I be an entrepreneur? Do I want to be a business owner? But do I need to fit a certain model? And there's lots of things that have happened in, you know, the economy in the world over the last, especially the last 20, 30, 40 years, where, you know, extroverts are giving all this credit, where if you look at companies, there's a mix of everything and we can all, you know, use our strengths and weaknesses to our advantage and work with them. So I, I say from my side of things, I was very inspired by seeing my family. Um, my father was employed for many years and I watched him leave his employed role. I think he was 40 or 45, maybe early 40s um, and set up his own business, much to my mother's dismay. Yeah. My mom was probably from your, like, similar to your dad's point of view. You know, it all came from love. She just wanted to make sure the mortgage was paid, the holidays were available, that, you know, the the gas man was paid on a regular basis. You know, my mom isn't someone who puts huge amount of material focus on things. So she was like, I don't want, you know, to have two or three holiday homes. I don't want, you know, to make a hundred grand in a quarter. Uh, I just want, you know, a nice, stable, comfortable life. So, yeah, I think your influence is around you when you're deciding to go into business. I think it's important for people to unpack them the way we've just done it there between us, you know, and said things like, you know, I know what my influences have been. I know what my fear levels are. I know what my my levels and attitude to risk are. Maybe that's an interesting one to, you know, to kind of go down, Helen, is, you know, do you think to be a business owner, to be an entrepreneur, to be self-employed, you need to have, a you know, a select attitude around risk? Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> You can't go into business if you are risk averse. Like, if you go into business, you need to be prepared to fucking lose it all. Yeah, yeah. People, honestly, people yeah. talk about you. People talk about um, oh, going into business to make money, and it's not the fact that you need to go into. It's not the fact that yes, you don't go out into business and you don't start business with the goals and the objectives to make money. That's like one of the key objectives. But at the same mm. time, you must be prepared to lose it at the, yeah. like, on the flip side of it. Because yeah. what happens, like you've got to keep pushing forward. You've got to keep investing into things. Like, you can't control everything. We always say about control the controllable, which is you, right? So it's your action, your reaction to things. But you yeah. can't control the marketplace. You can mitigate risk. You can, you know, you can look at, like your competitors, you can look at how you can start introducing things ahead of the curve, for example. Yeah, you yeah. You can invest in yourself, you can invest in your business development, your marketing, your branding, you know, be be kind of positioning yourself at the best strength that you can be. But at the same time, you can't just rest on your laurels. Like, no. 
you, you know yourself, some of the, some of the most successful um, businesses um, and business owners have not got it right first time. They've got out there and they've put themselves out there. They've put all the mm. chips on the table and then somebody's mm. like, like up tip the table and it's all the, you know, they're scrambling around trying to pick it all back again. Donald Trump is renowned for that. Like him or loathe him, like that guy has lost millions. Yeah, I think that, that's something. And then built it all again. Lord Alan Sugar, exactly the same. He's always said as well about you know the the the, the most um, the most successful people are the ones that will make a million, lose a million, lose a million. and go back and make it and some. Yeah, I love because that saying. Yeah, that that gives so much evidence around like the the credentials of who you are, what you're about, why you're in it, and what freaking levels of grit, determination, and resilience yeah. you. Okay, so I, it's not just about oh yeah, you know I want this, I want this laptop lifestyle, and I want to get out on the beach, and I want I, I want all of these choices and freedom in life. Hmm. It's it's, a, it's let, let's look at the nitty gritty and the actual financials, and what are you prepared to do then. And, you know, that's when it's the serious shit that you can really sort the men from the boys out. Yeah. You know I hate that saying as well. I love that's, it. I know you do. I know you do. Well, that's me. I, I mean, like, oh, I, I agree on everything. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't, which is good to always display. So a couple of things that are coming up there. I think your levels of risk are really important to understand. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going into business, listen, you don't, I'm not someone who's got, you've got a higher level of risk tolerance than I do. It's what mm. we discussed when we were going into business partnership. If you, if you, again, if you want to listen to how me and Helen decided to go into business together and anything around partnerships, go back to last week and listen to that episode. But it's something that I'm aware I have to put myself around people who are better at taking risks. But the, the weird thing is, as I've got more mature and as I've got more developed, as I've worked on myself, my level my my risk tolerance has really increased and here's one of the things that has increased it people sometimes again the label about employed entrepreneur and they're like you know don't take the risk of being self-employed don't take the risk of running your own business and I'm like hold on a minute don't take the risk of being employed because there's a lot of people at the moment who have put years and decades into a company and they are just being replaced whether it be because of the situation with covid whether it be because of technology whether it be because the business strategies change because of the, whatever it may be you know i was always aware that um when i was employed you know i worked on projects i always worked um for the first four or five years not so much i was on a you know a, a development with an entire country team uh, but when i came back to the uk i was on projects so the idea of a project is you complete it. Um, it's like, a, it's, it's like um, a video game. You get to the next level. You might not be needed at the next level of this video game. You know, you get to a certain point. And I've had it happen now twice where I've come to the end of a project. Once was in a redundancy and once was, it was actually the, the thing that ended uh, my time with the company that I'd been with for many years is the project came to a very natural end. And I finished up my employment in December. And then obviously this global pandemic hit uh, in you know February March, um, I fully respect and admire the leaders of the company that I worked for, but a huge chunk of people within that organisation in the employee spectrum were made redundant because the company couldn't continue um, within the current parameters of the pandemic. So tell me, what's more risky, running a business that you have an element of control in, or being employed, where the reality is none of us have the control that we might think that we do. 
you know, the idea of having a job for life, my God, I mean, that's never been something that I've known or understood. And I think that's many generations back. Um, and again, there's pros and cons. There was generations before us, you know, they buckled in with the company. They took it through, you know, the good, the bad, the rough, the smooth. And, uh, you know, they stayed with them. And then we've got some people now who, you know, they enter a role or a, whether, you know, employed or they start a business. And as soon as it gets a bit rough, as soon as it gets a bit choppy, as soon as it gets shitty, they're like, this doesn't work for me. And I think that's one of the things for me, whenever I'm talking to people about, should you start a business? Should you go out on your own? Should you freelance? Are you prepared for shit to get real? Are you prepared for the days when no one comes in and says, should we have a chat and an appraisal? Are you prepared for no one to give you confidence and praise? Are you prepared for there to be weeks and months where, you know, the salary doesn't hit your account? I mean, I remember, you know, I'd been in an employed role and I, again, I'd done well for myself. I don't mind saying it without sounding obnoxious. Uh, you know, I had a, a high level salary and bonus structures. The first couple of months, Helen, when on the 28th of the month, no money went into my account. I remember turning to you and to Chris and being, no one's dropped money in my account this month. <laughs> and it's a strange and it's a a feeling that you have to get used to and you have to accept. So if you're someone who knows, like you always say it, and I, I totally, you know, stand by it. I like routine. I like scheduling. I like a process. But I have to be okay with the fact that when I'm self-employed, there'll be months where I draw a salary and I take a big dividend. And there's months where, you know, I plan and we financially forecast and that's not the case because we're investing in the business. We're investing in new coaching. We're investing in, gosh, anything. So I think your level of risk and your relationship with money and your relationship with cash flow is a huge thing to consider. If you need a set amount of money to drop into your bank account every four weeks and you know you freak out with not, this might not be the right time for you to start a business. No, and you're right. <clears throat> Excuse me, just clearing my throat there. Um, you're right in, in terms of how you explained it for yourself. Um, when he said, you know, your your levels and your tolerance levels of risk is increased now, even if that be, albeit incrementally, it's because your confidence has improved. Yes, yes, and totally. Because then you're, you know, you, you, you're now centred in what you're doing. Yeah. You always believe in what you're doing, but you know through the process model and how, we, how we've encountered, yeah. you know, the, the rock-solid process model that we've got in HEW is through the doing, through the momentum and through the positive progress that the confidence comes as a byproduct. Therefore, once you've got that confidence, you can start re reassessing the situation. Mm. You then reassess the situation and you've changed your financial set point. You've changed your risk level set point as well. So Absolutely. it comes hand in hand. I just want to ask you a quick question, uh, Lauren, to round it up. When, we're, when people are considering um, business, and whether or not to go into it, when's the right time? There's never a right time. Wait, wait, hang on. <laughs> Just answered it. When's the right time? And with the decision-making process, yeah. are they better off? This is going to be an interesting one because this is how we're different. Are they okay. better off going through a long, drawn-out, process and and thoroughly thought out analysis or are they better off to just jump what's the right thing to do so this is i stand by my first answer there's never a perfect time yeah um, and i was how culpable of this was i when i was talking to you you know 18 months ago and like I say i was i was loving what i was doing i loved the company i worked for i loved the product i was building but i knew the itch was in me i knew i was going to go back to building something and more than one thing for myself but i was like it the reason 
it wasn't the right time at that point because I hadn't done the work on myself. So I needed to set the foundations. However, there's a big difference between setting foundations and then doing 101 architects drawings and researching your ass off because you're afraid to start and take action. You have to put the shovel in the ground. You have to dig the hole. You have to lay the foundations at some point. I think that it depends answers is all of those things that we said. The, The notes I had down here that I wanted to make sure I was clear on is that when you are self-employed, you have to ask yourself these. Am I happy and am I comfortable? Happy is the wrong word, actually. Am I, am I bloody aware of the level of accountability that I'm going to need? Am I aware of the habits and the discipline that I currently have? And am, am I really aware of the goals that I'm setting? Are they real goals or are they those fake goals that people say put on a fucking, what do you call those things, mood board? What do you call those things that I always... Vision boards. Vision board, okay. Is it because... <laughs> She's, she tells me I'll get off of my lamps. She's just a <laughs> But the, the, the reason I say that is because when is the right time? The right There's never a perfect time. There'll always be, you know, but should I wait for this month? Should I wait until, you know, my relationship's at a certain place, till I've bought a house, until I've done that? Do you know what? If, if, if it's consuming you and if you are sure that you know what lies ahead, just do it. Just get started. But what I would say is address the foundational stuff first. Know your work ethic. You know, take away the unicorns and rainbow shit. Know that it's going to be long hours. Know that you're going to want to feel like throwing in the towel. Know that your emotions are sometimes going to, you know, not be in the most positive places. Know that you'll have naysayers. Know that you've got to push yourself out of the comfort zone. If anything, I want to make sure that people understand when they're going into business, they really, really understand, you know, the only comparison I can draw it to is when people decide to get married. Now, I got married about a year ago and, you know, I got married at 35. And one of the best pieces of advice I got from a business mentor many years ago, this guy just got married. I'm not sure it was quite positive that he just got married. I was in my 20s and he said, Lauren, please don't get married until you're at least 30. He said, never get married before you're 30 and I was like all right go on he said because between 20 and 30 you're going to change an awful lot so you need to really know yourself he said and the second thing is you need to make sure that you really know what's going to go into it and what it's going to take and I would say the same now about business okay if you are 21 I started a business when I was 19 20 it was the best thing I ever did I'm so glad I did it I didn't have anything to lose. I gave it my all. I worked 80, 90 hours a week. I partied really hard. I spent loads of money. I invested loads of money. I had a ball. I gained a couple of stone. (laughs) Um, And I was so glad I started a business at 19, 20. I'm also not sorry, and I think it's the best thing that at 26, 27, no spoiler alert, but, you know, I wasn't quite running at full steam. I wasn't aligned with my goals. I wasn't prepared for the next set of steam that it needed to take it up. I'm glad I took my money, I invested it, and then I went and had a great, you know, eight, nine years as an employee. But now I know it's like there's no fool in me. And I think that's my that's honestly my answer, Helen, to people is that as long as you know what's ahead, you don't need to know every outcome. I was really guilty of I'll only take the step if I know the exact outcome. And that's where you're brilliant. And that's where you're the right person to just go. You're on the side of the boat or you're on the side of the diving board and I'm just going to push you. I know you're not going to drown. I know nothing's going to happen to you, but you need to just get right in. And I think I 
had a mix of that at both times in my life but make sure your foundations are set don't start building if you're building something you're serious about that you're proper passionate about that you want big returns like me and you are dead honest like we're not in this to you know make an extra 50 quid here or there and have a side hustle no offense to anyone who uses that terminology I'm like we're in this to build a massive thing because also our why is we want to make sure we can help as many people as we can we can help create sustainable business owners, businesses, um, you know, the impact that, you know, them as an individual, their family, their future, our why is massive. So we are happy and aware and fully like, you know, we're going in full eyes open. We're not here just to fuck about and mess about. We're here to create big things ourselves. And by doing that, we help other people do the same thing. So there's no perfect time. Just know exactly what you're going into. It's a bit like marriage. Don't do it before you're 30. Yeah. But it's the other way around for me with that. I want to help as many people as we can, which then creates the bigger business. You know, it's not growing the business to help people. That's the that's the purpose and the service level behind the business, obviously. But it's yeah. the more people we can help, the bigger the business gets anyway. You know, it's kind of that's the Chicken default. in the egg. Yeah, right? yeah. It is, yeah, of course. It is it is. Yeah. But then what going back to you know what you were saying about the why. And, you know, what is the why and the, the, the reason behind what you want to do? It's that reason that is the is the main priority and the number one priority over what we're about and what we stand for is, is, is helping everybody else first. Totally, totally. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, in any way disputing that. I think for me it's more that people go into business with a, well, we'll see. Yeah. It might work. And I go... If you go in with that attitude, I can tell you now, it, it's not gonna. It's, you know, it's, it's gonna fall at the first the first sign of a storm. What I want to just say is, a lot of people <clears throat> toy with the idea. They like the idea of it. They may have even thought of several ideas themselves over creations and in, in like invented like different concepts. I know what you're gonna say. Okay. <laughs> Told you, she could just finish my sentences. Well, I'm I'm going, going. Going. I'm I'm into it. <laughs> um, people have like the idea of it and they like the idea of it. What I would say is explore that idea. Always explore it and always look and consider all of these things that we've talked about, about the personal development, the self-awareness, you know, have you got what it takes? And it's okay if you have or you haven't, right? But what I would always advise is to look into it anyway. Business may not be right for you, but if you have got something like Lauren said, you know, it's yeah. consuming your brain, go and explore it. Because what I would say is, what have you got to lose? You've not got anything to lose, but everything to gain. Mm. And that gain is either the fact that you do decide to go into business, you do launch something and you do become freaking successful. You become a solution to provider for lots of people. You know, you get a lot of fulfillment out of that, a lot of satisfaction out of that. Or on the, the if the boots on the other foot, that's okay. The business is not all right for you, but you've explored it. And through your personal development anyway, you're more happier, you're more fulfilled and you're more effective in whatever you're doing with your life, with your business, with your career path. It's a win-win situation. Like, you know, we are always behind young entrepreneurs. We want businesses to grow. We want businesses to start. We want businesses to thrive. And we want businesses to uh, develop and be successful and profitable. Okay, but at the same time, because the foundation of what we're about is personal development being transferred into the business, 
tackle whatever your thoughts, ideas are, dreams, vision, whatever, with your personal development first and just thrash it out of the park once and for all. You you know then, don't you? And then you're not living with any regrets saying, do you know what? I listened to these for however many months, years, and then I never got round to never got round to yeah. doing it. I just I should have just invested in my personal development because who knows where that could have gone to. A hundred percent. So I stand corrected. I thought you were going to talk about shiny penny syndrome. I mean, you know, oh, even right. I said I know what you were going to say. I thought, you know, when you're saying people have lots of ideas, that's obviously another trap where people just go. They jump from one idea and one business solution or one product that they want to create or something, a service they want to sell. And because they never follow the whole process model around, they yeah. never get any results. So then they're just they're just a headless chicken running around in a circle, getting dead frustrated with themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that pops into my head as you were finishing off there, Helen, is sometimes when you are doubting yourself, you know, we how many times do me and you say this about clients? We wish they could see what we see. We yeah. wish they could see. First of all, how great they are at what they do, whether it be talent, whether it be a growth in a skill or a service that they offer. We wish we could shake people to see what, you know, others can see in you. And then there's other people who are like massively, you know, self-inflated and they've got a huge, um, <laughs> a, a huge what? Deluded. Deluded. Yeah. I was going to say ego, but, you know, maybe then they're not, they don't fully understand, you know, what's, you know, what lies ahead. I was explained this, I can't think who, so I'm sorry I can't credit to who it was. So if anyone knows who this came from, uh, please DM me and let me know so I don't feel like I'm stealing it. Uh, it, wa- it wasn't my original thought. But they said, you know, Matt, okay, let's use the singer Adele, okay? We all agree that Adele is phenomenal. But Adele has spoke a lot about imposter syndrome and she spoke about how she didn't feel like she was good enough. She felt like she didn't fit in in this industry. You know, she wasn't a certain look or whatever. She's like, I'm this girl from London who, you know, drinks pints, uh, smokes cigarettes, but she's got the most phenomenal voice. Imagine if Adele never got out of her own way. Imagine if we never got the Adele music. You know, she's, again, personal preference, but she's, I don't think there's many people who don't go, she's fucking ace. Like she's she's bloody talented and she's brilliant. So if you're sat there with a business idea or with a solution to a problem, think Amazon, the solution, come on, <laughs> lockdown, how much of a solution was Amazon to the entire world? Whether we, we agree with the guy building it and his wealth, another conversation, but it's a solution. But imagine Adele had never got out of her own way. We yeah. are, she'd actually have been robbing us all of that beautiful music and the songs that she's created and the emotion and the memories and everything that goes with it. So maybe you're sat there thinking, it's actually, you're doing a disjustice to the people that you could be helping, the product you could be producing, the service you could be providing. So for those those people who are sat there just doubting themselves or in fear or they're just procrastinating and they're just so, you know, frozen from taking action, Think of Adele. Imagine if Adele never got out of her own way and really gave it a shot. That could be what you're doing with your business idea as well. I'm not going to burst out into song to end this podcast. That would be absolutely detrimental. And you will probably never tune in again. Ever. Well, listen, that was a good chat. I feel like we bounced around between loads. It's probably been the most like... We've just kind of flowed with it. So um, we'd love to know your feedback. Uh, as always on the podcast, we want to reach as many people as we can and we want to help. Like that's our main goal. That's our thing. Um, you know, we are loving working one-on-one with entrepreneurs right now and it's definitely, you know, going to be 
our focus for the coming weeks and months ahead. Um, so if you know someone who is sat there thinking of a business idea or is at the start of their entrepreneurial journey or hell, they're a few years in and they've lost that spark of why they started their business, please share and send them this podcast. Uh, you can share it on all of the platforms that you're listening to. Uh, the other thing that really helps us out is if we can um, just show people you know, the amount of people that we're reaching uh, is to share this on social media. If you could take a screenshot, uh, post it wherever you are, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you may be, uh, and tag HEW. We're everywhere. So you can tag us wherever you are. Um, then we really, really do appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to reach more people across the globe. I think that's it from my end, Helen. Anything I've missed? No, we're not going to go on some more tangents. You've not missed anything. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a joy. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Have a great evening, whatever lies ahead. And tune in next week and uh, see what we're chatting about then. Fabulous. See you all then. Thank you so much. Adios. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.